Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Christina Darnell in for Natasha Smith, also coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Ministry Watch brings you news about Christian ministries, as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, news that we examine from a Christian worldview perspective. And our goal is to help us become better stewards of the resources that God has entrusted to us. On today's program, more problems in the Bible translation industry and Christian colleges are named in a lawsuit motivated by LGBTQ activists. We begin today with more news from Canicook Camps, a large Christian camp in Missouri. Yes, the Payroll Protection Program is a multi-billion dollar program designed to help companies, including nonprofit organizations, keep employees on the payroll. The money was distributed in the form of a bank loan that would be forgiven or paid for by the federal government if the money was used to keep employees working. A key provision of the PPP is this. Organizations must affirm in writing that without the money, there will be a likelihood that their jobs would be lost. So the PPP was designed to help organizations that would have to shut down or experience severe financial hardship during the pandemic. So how does this apply to Canicook? Well, Canicook camps uh, didn't shut down last summer. They operated a mostly full schedule all summer in 2020, despite the fact that this decision, in fact, led to an outbreak of COVID cases there in August. Financial statements in 2019 and 2020 are not yet available, but Canicook's Form 990 for the year ending August 31, 2018, show that Canicook made more than $8 million in profit on revenue of $35 million. And over the past decade, decade, Canicook's revenue has approached a quarter of a billion dollars. That's $244 million. Uh, though a nonprofit that raises money in addition to charging its campers, it showed a profit of $24 million during that same decade. I say all of this to make this point. Despite all of that, Canicook and related organizations received a total of $3.295 million in PPP funds in April of 2020. Most of the funds went to Canicook Ministries, with smaller amounts going to the Canicook Institute and Kids Across America. These loans came from the Central Bank of Branson. K-Life Ministries also received nearly a half a million dollars from Regents Bank. So why would a camp that didn't close last summer and made more than $24 million in the decade between 2009 and 2018, need millions more to make payroll. Well, Ministry Watch posed that very question to Canicook leadership. You can read their full response on our website, but in essence, uh, they said that Canicook did have higher operating costs associated with COVID, and they also said that Canicook had not yet received PPP loan forgiveness, so it's possible that they will, in fact, have to pay that money back. So is there anything wrong with what Canicook did? Well, experts tell Ministry Watch that it is not illegal legal to apply for and accept PPP funds, even if it is not absolutely necessary. Uh, the applicant must certify 
verify on the application that there's a current uncertainty that makes this loan request necessary to support the ongoing operations of the applicant. Uh, however, public scrutiny of the PPP program has intensified over the past year. In fact, Senator Marco Rubio posted on Twitter that PPP loans were only for businesses on the verge of collapse. Uh, that tweet from uh, Senator Rubio is not strictly true, but it does signal that authorities are taking PPP fraud seriously. In fact, the Department of Justice said that those who try to defraud the PPP program could face jail time. And the Department of Justice has recently charged two men in Rhode Island for allegedly seeking to fraudulently obtain over a half million dollars in PPP funds. Now, of course, jail time is at the far end of a long process, and any organization who takes the money in good faith uh, and doesn't need it can simply give it back, and that may be what happens with the Canicook money. Or it can use the money for other purposes and convert the PPP loan into a more conventional loan that has to be paid back over time. Our next story concerns a televangelist, Todd Koontz, who started a prison sentence this week. Yeah, televangelist Todd Kuntz has lost his final appeal of a 2019 conviction on tax evasion charges, and he began serving a five-year sentence in a Florida prison this week. The U.S. Attorney's Office in the Western District of North Carolina found Kuntz guilty in January of 2019 of tax fraud and evasion for hiding about $1.7 million in income and assets uh, from the government while at the same time living a lavish lifestyle. He was back then sentenced to five years in prison in order to pay about $755,000 in restitution, but Coots served just one day of that sentence before being released on appeal. His attorneys uh, took the case all the way to the Supreme Court, which denied his final appeal on February 22nd of this year. Court documents in that case show that Kuntz, who ran Rockwealth International Ministries and some other businesses, uh, lived an extravagant lifestyle while diverting money from the businesses for his personal use. Yeah, he owned uh, several sports cars, a boat, uh, all listed as business expenses. And according to U.S. Attorney Jenny Sugar, Every meal, every piece of clothing, and movie ticket was treated as a business expense. He also overcharged churches that hired him to come speak for appearance fees and travel expenses, the attorney's office said. Now, at the time of his the sentencing, uh, Sugar uh, argued that Kuntz deserved a significant sentence as both punishment and deterrent, and he certainly got that with close to five years. He's scheduled for release on June 3rd of 2025. Warren, before we go to break, let's look at one more story, and that's about a group called Illuminations, which is raising money for Bible translations. Yeah, it's an alliance of Bible translation organizations. That's what Illuminations is. And it unveiled its I Want to Know campaign last month, part of an effort to translate the Bible into the remaining untranslated languages by 2023, just about 12 years from now. That sounds like a worthy goal. But before we talk about that, can you tell me a little bit about Illuminations? Because they're a fairly new addition to the Bible translation industry. Yeah, they are. They started about five years ago. Illuminations was founded by a lot of high-capacity Christian givers as an attempt to focus 
the efforts of Bible translation activities with the goal of accelerating the translation of the Bible into untranslated languages. Now, those responsible for the formation of Illuminations included people like Mark Green of the Hobby Lobby family, Catherine Barnhart, who is a very well-known Christian philanthropist. In fact, we featured her on Ministry Watch as part of our Generous Living series, and former NFL player Todd Peterson. These wealthy givers would donate money into a donor-advised fund held by the National Christian Foundation, and that fund would then make grants to Bible translation organizations. However, Illuminations has expanded its efforts now to take money from smaller donors. And at the recent IF gathering in Dallas, hosted by best-selling author Jenny Allen, attendees raised more than $1.5 million in a single weekend, and that was from about 6,000 donors. Yeah, they did, and we reported uh, about that event, and a lot of other Christian media did as well. And on the surface, it really sounds great. Uh, But Illuminations, though it's been around since 2015, hasn't actually incorporated until recently in 2019. And I've made repeated attempts to get their financial statements, and they've so far not been able to produce them. Uh, They also claim that 100% of the funds that they raise go to Bible translation organizations, but someone had to pay Jenny Allen for the sponsorship of her conference, uh, and I can't get an answer out of either Illuminations or Jenny Allen regarding the cost of that sponsorship and who ended up actually paying it. So a lot of unanswered questions about Illuminations. Yeah, that's right. And ironically, insiders tell me that Illuminations is trying to be a part of the solution to the problems that are existing in the Bible translation industry. And by problems, what do you mean? Well, one is a lack of transparency, complicated corporate structures, funding models and partnerships that are hard to understand. So, for example, the largest Bible translation organization is Wycliffe Bible Translators. It has more than 200 million dollars in annual revenue. However, a large portion of its staff are what they call members. They're actually missionaries who raise their own support. Wycliffe takes about 10% of the money that these missionaries raise for administration, but then Wycliffe spent on its own about $20 million for fundraising outside of that. It's not clear how they spent that money or what it produced. Almost all the missionary and Bible translation organizations tell a similar story. And that doesn't even include organizations such as Wycliffe Associates, which we've written about extensively because of its questionable practices, questionable practices that the entire Bible translation industry, in fact, knew about, but also kept silent about. Warren, we've got to take a break, but when we come back, the story of a class action lawsuit aimed at Christian colleges and universities. I'm Christina Darnell, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and we'll be back after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. 
Welcome back. I'm Christina Darnell, in for Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Let's continue with the story of a class action lawsuit that puts about 25 religious schools at risk of losing their funding. Yeah, a class action lawsuit was filed March 29th against the U.S. Department of Education um, that claims that the agency was complicit in allowing abuses and unsafe conditions for thousands of LGBTQ students who were attending publicly funded religious colleges and universities. 25 schools were specifically named in the suit, including Liberty University, Baylor University, Bob Jones University, and Fuller Theological Seminary, which uh, was brought, the suit was brought by 33 plaintiffs. The suit claims that even though the schools received government funding, the government did not protect sexual and gender minority students as required under Title IX, and that the plaintiffs suffered injurious consequences to mind, body, and soul. Now, the suit also says that these LGBTQ students are being denied their constitutional rights by the schools, including the right to privacy regarding sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. What sort of impact will this case have? Well, it's hard to tell at this point just because it's so early, but I would point out a couple of things. First, uh, this is a very clever lawsuit. The plaintiffs are not suing the colleges themselves. If they were, the colleges would, I'm sure, mount a vigorous defense, likely with the help of religious liberty law firms that would work pro bono. However, because they're suing the Department of Education, that means that the Biden administration has to defend, has to decide how vigorously it wants to defend itself against these LGBTQ activists. And candidly, my guess is that the answer to that is probably not very vigorously. Secondly, this lawsuit is just a shot across the bow of all Christian colleges. There are hundreds of Christian colleges and thousands of Christian ministries who take government funds to do their work. In fact, I know of only a couple of Christian colleges like Grove City College and Hillsdale College that don't take funds from the government. If this case is successful, it will could have a dramatic impact on all Christian colleges, of course, but it could also completely reshape the funding model of Christian colleges in this country. Warren, our next two stories involve a couple of drops. First, Dave Ramsey has been dropped from Inc. Magazine's list of best workplaces. Yeah, the company owned by the Christian financial guru and radio host Dave Ramsey is no longer one of the best places to work in America, at least according to Inc. Magazine. Uh, the national business publication dropped uh, Ramsey Solutions from its 2020 list of best workplaces after the company was sued by a former employee, Caitlin O'Connor, for discrimination. O'Connor claims that she was fired from Ramsey Solutions after applying for family leave because she was pregnant, even though she was not married. Her lawsuit claims that Ramsey Solutions discriminates against employees who do not strictly adhere to Ramsey's interpretation of Judeo-Christian values for non-work-related behavior. It sounds like Inc. Magazine is punishing a Christian-owned company for insisting on Christian behavior. So, 
How is this not just another example of cancer culture at work? Well, I think that's a good question. Uh, but in this case, the situation is uh, a little bit more complicated. On the one hand, I completely agree uh, with you that Ramsey should have the right to expect certain behaviors of his employees. However, in this case, Ramsey came down hard on Caitlin O'Connor for living with her boyfriend while doing nothing until forced to by publicity about male employees who were also involved in affairs and other behavior that violated both Ramsey's and biblical standards. O'Connor's lawyers are likely going to argue that these moral standards were applied not on the basis of sincerely held religious belief, but on the basis of expediency. So Dave Ramsey was dropped by Inc. Um, Second, Andy No was dropped by Q. So maybe you should start with who is Andy No and what is Q? Yeah, good questions. Andy No is an Antifa critic, anti-fascist Antifa critic, uh, and a conservative media personality. And Q is an evangelical conference that, uh, in fact, I've attended in the past. It's a remarkable event that uh, brings a lot of people from across the political spectrum together for a thoughtful, carefully moderated conversation on a whole range of issues. However, Andy No, who calls himself a gonzo independent journalist, is known for posting videos of clashes between left-wing and right-wing activists at protests around the country, most notably in Portland, Oregon, last year. Q leaders said they invited Andy No because of his best-selling book, Unmasked, which was one of the few books out there about Antifa. Uh, Q was also going to include a speaker... Uh, to discuss the alt-right as well. Uh, But that topic has been dropped altogether from this year's conference. Warren, we're going to take another break. Uh, When we return, our weekly lightning round of ministry news of the week. I'm Christina Darnell with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Christina Darnell, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Warren, we like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. So what's up first? Well, Christina, you can claim some credit for this first story because you mentioned the ministry apartment life in your weekly Ministries Making a Difference column on Monday. That's right. It's a ministry that essentially embeds Christians in apartment complexes with the permission of the owners of the apartment building 
And those urban missionaries, you might call them, hold events and parties and other activities for the residents. Yeah. When I read your mention of apartment life in this week's column, I said to myself, hey, wait a minute. I think I wrote a story about them a few years ago. And it turns out I did. When I was at the Colson Center, uh, I wrote an article about them. I took a look and realized that it's one of those stories that uh, we journalists sometimes call evergreen stories. So I got permission from the Colson Center to reprint my own story and made a few revisions to kind of bring it up to date. And we posted it on the website this week. So thanks, Christina, for reminding me of that lost story, which of course is now found and updated and on our website. Well, you're welcome. And what else do you have? Well, we've got a story that I think will be of interest to ministry leaders and high-capacity donors in particular. Major donor giving jumped by about 21% between 2019 and 2020, according to the Major Donor Generosity Report that was published uh, by the Atlanta-based consulting firm Westfall Gold. Uh, the report's authors believe that there are more potential major donors contributors within nonprofit donor files. Did the report say why there was such a big jump? Well, the jump in major donations was spurred at least in part by a robust stock market. An upturn in the stock market is almost always good for nonprofits because most affluent people put money in the stock market that they don't need for living expenses. So when the market goes up and it may come time to sell your stock, uh, it only makes sense to match those capital gains, which they would otherwise have to pay taxes on, with charitable giving deductions. In fact, over time, the rises and falls in the Dow Jones Industrial Average has been one of the most reliable predictors of major donor giving. It's been that way for decades. And who do you have in the ministry spotlight this week? Well, regular listeners to the program know that we've been focusing more of our attention on uh, Bible translation organizations in recent months. Uh, we featured Bible translation organizations uh, in the past in our ministry spotlight, and this week we're doing it again. It's the American Bible Society. Uh, the American Bible Society does much more than Bible translation, but it certainly has a its hand in that pot as well. I should say that the ABS is one of the oldest Christian ministries in the country. It was founded in 1816. Uh, to That's 1816, <laughs> I said, uh, to reach people in the United States and around the world who might not otherwise have access to the Bible. Um, they are involved, as I said, in Bible translation, but also in Bible engagement, trying to get people to read the Bible and really understand it and apply it to their daily lives. One of the biggest recent projects, in fact, is the creation of a Faith and Liberty Museum at their headquarters in Philadelphia. And finally, ministries making a difference. Yeah, that's right. Uh, your weekly column, in addition to Apartment Life, which we've already mentioned, uh, your column features Transworld Radio, New Beginnings Pregnancy Care Center in Benton, Arkansas, and Adult and Teen Challenge. Now, if that ministry doesn't sound familiar to you, uh, you might remember it by its old name. It's been around for a long time, simply as Teen Challenge. And by the way, Christina, while I've got you as my co-host this week, thanks, uh, by the way, for sitting in for Natasha, let me just say how much I appreciate uh, your ministry's Making a Difference column. Uh, you know, I make no apologies for the bad news that we sometimes have to cover here at Ministry Watch, but I think it's also important not to lose sight of the fact that the vast majority of Christian ministries are quietly, humbly, sacrificially doing God's work, you might say, scandal-free. And your column is my weekly reminder of that. Well, it's been a pleasure, Warren. And with that, we need to bring today's program to a close. 
The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DuBerry, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Rod Pitzer, Bob Smetana, Richard Levy, and Ann Steich. Thanks to our friends at the Nonprofit Times for contributing material to this week's program. I'm Christina Darnell, in for Natasha Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Warren Smith, coming to you also from Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.